1 Thessalonians 4, 13-15 Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not proceed with those who have fallen asleep. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We are very grateful for your presence today. We do want to remember those who are traveling this week. We have a number away as a result of spring break, and we want to be thinking of them as they travel this week. Our prayer is that they might have a safe return to us. If you're visiting with us, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're very grateful that you've chosen to be here today. It is our prayer that our time spent together will be encouraging to you and that we will worship God in spirit and in truth. I do want to express appreciation to Kenton for reading our scripture this morning. He did a great job. And I told him earlier, as a matter of fact, I told him and Taylor both, if they keep dressing the way they are and doing the good job that they're doing, they're going to take my job. And so we appreciate them, and we're grateful for all of our young people, and we're very thankful for their enthusiasm and their desire to learn and their, their desire to serve. We appreciate them very, very much. In our study today, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. We want to talk today about secure with the Savior. That is the theme of our study today, secure with the Savior. And I believe that there's a great deal of security for those who are in Christ Jesus. Many times we fail to accentuate the security that we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul penned this particular epistle some 2,000 years ago, there were some people that were extremely concerned about their departed loved ones. And so Paul wrote to alleviate their fears. And so with that in mind, I want us to think about the security that you and I have as God's people. And ultimately, we are secure in Christ Jesus. The first thing that the Apostle Paul addresses are their words of concern. And they were concerned, as I said a moment ago, about those who had died, those that had departed into the realm of eternity. Now Paul is going to use the figure of sleeping. And what he tries to do is assure these people about their loved ones that had gone to be with the Lord. So listen to what he says beginning in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. First of all, he draws a contrast. And the contrast is between those who have died in Christ and those who have died outside of Christ. And there is a vast difference there. Paul here is primarily talking about those, he's really writing to 
to assure those who have lost loved ones in Christ, he's trying to allay their fears. And so, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep in Christ. What does it mean to die in Christ Jesus? Those who have died in Christ Jesus are individuals that have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, at some point in time during their lifetime, they put their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Je Jesus himself had said in John chapter 8 at verse 24, Except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. They had not only put their faith in the Lord, but they had repented of their sins. They had died to the love and the practice of sin. On Pentecost Day, the Apostle Peter commanded those present to repent, according to Acts 2 at verse 38. They had also confessed before others their faith in the Lord, Matthew 10, 32. And the Bible then says that those who obey the gospel... They have been immersed in water for the washing away or the remitting of sin. Acts 2 verse 38 and Acts 22 verse 16. Those who have died in Christ have embraced the gospel and they died in a faithful state. Jesus had talked about in Revelation 2 at verse 10, Be faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life. When individuals die in Christ Jesus, they are said to be precious in the sight of the Lord, according to the psalmist. John said in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. Those who die in Christ Jesus ultimately go home to be with Him. They go to paradise. That's what Jesus said in Luke 23, verse 43, to one of the thieves hanging upon the cross. And so, Paul here addresses, first of all, those who have died in Christ. But then he also speaks of those who have died outside of Christ. How do I know that? Well, listen again to what he says in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others, listen to him, who have no hope. Those who die outside of Christ, they have no hope. Now, there are a lot of bad things that can happen in our world. We talk about the, the, change, the changing landscape of our economy. And many people in our world today, in our in our country especially, have lost a lot of money in stocks and bonds, CDs, mutual funds, etc. And that's bad. There are a lot of people that have lost, they, they've lost their homes. They've lost their assets and that too, that's bad. But there is nothing worse than dying outside of Christ. Now you want to talk about the worst possible scenario. That's to die outside of Christ. The Apostle Paul speaks of those 
who have died, and he said they have no hope. There is no extension of hope to those who die out of Christ. Whether as an alien sinner or as an apostate saint, there is no hope. In Ephesians 2 at verse 12, Paul talks about those who are without hope and without God in this world. Listen again to the words of Jesus in John 8 verse 24. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus went on to say, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. Now there are a lot of bad things that can happen to you in this life. And you and I, we could probably sit down and compile a great list of some of the tragedies that can befall the human family. But I can assure you there is nothing worse than dying outside of Jesus Christ. As Paul said, they have died without any kind of hope. I've done a lot of funeral services down through the years. I've never kept a count. But I've had the privilege and the opportunity of speaking at countless memorial services. The most difficult are always those of unbelievers. Because there's just nothing you can say. Now, you can encourage the family. And you can try to comfort them through the pages of the Bible. But in terms of hope for that departed loved one, there's nothing that can be said. Their spiritual state is sealed. Now, Paul here draws a contrast between those who have died in Christ and those who have died outside of Christ. But he wants them to be confident. And that is, those who are believers and those who died in Christ, he wants to set their minds at ease. There are a lot of people in our world today, when you talk about death and stepping out into eternity, they don't know what the Bible teaches. And there are a lot of questions that surround what happens at death. Well, the Bible's very clear. But there are a lot of people that just don't know. I had a friend, or actually had a family member, many years ago that lost a son. I never will forget my mother telling me that this young man's father, after learning that his son had died, began calling out over and over, Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Well, the Bible speaks about those who have died in Christ and those who have died outside of Christ. Before the Lord Jesus Christ comes, those who depart this world go to the Hadean realm. The righteous go to paradise or the bosom of Abraham. The unrighteous go to a place that Peter describes as Tartarus. It's spelled T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S in 2 Peter chapter 2 at verse 4. It's simply the abode of the unrighteous. But Paul wants to assure these people that their departed loved ones have gone to be with the Lord. So listen to what he says. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now listen to him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. What then would offset their ignorance? That is, their lack of knowledge in this particular realm or regarding this subject. Well, it would be the word of the Lord. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, he said, If any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul was an inspired apostle. And Paul here is writing by inspiration. He is writing the word or the commands of the Lord. And Paul is saying, this is what the word of God has to say concerning this matter. And I'm writing to alleviate your fears. And we'll have more to say about that in a moment. But he wanted these people to be confident. Think about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In chapter 4, Paul talks about how the outward man is perishing, but the inward man, he said, is being renewed day by day. He said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. Now in chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes, But we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God. How did Paul know that? Inspiration. He knew it because that's what God said about the future hope of those in Christ. That is, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so Paul wants us to be confident. He wanted these people to be confident. When you die in Christ Jesus, what happens? You go to be with the Lord. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ is far better. And so we go home to be with the Lord. All right, now, secondly, note if you would, words about His coming. Paul now is going to talk about the second coming of Jesus, the Savior, His advent. The first thing that he's going to talk about is the revelation of the Savior. So, listen to him. Picking up in verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. Paul now is talking about the second coming of Christ. In verse 15, that's the illusion. Verse 16, again, that's what he's talking about. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, what about these events? Well, Paul said that the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Have you ever heard the voice of an archangel? None of us have. But at some point in time in future history, we all will hear the voice of the archangel. In other words, we're going to hear the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And then we will see the Lord. 
The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, every eye shall see him. The second coming of Christ will be both audible and visible. And so, Jesus will come. Somebody says, when will that be? I don't know. You and I, we just don't have that information. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Only God in heaven knows when the Lord will return. So, those who are trying to forecast the time, the day, the month, the year that Jesus will come, they need to give up. Because it's just not possible for any person to know when the Lord will return. Over in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes concerning the times and the seasons, Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Jesus will come as a thief in the night. When do thieves come? When people least expect it. Now Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 10 that the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works therein will be burned up. So when Jesus comes, what's going to happen? Well, let's talk now about the resurrection of saints and sinners. Listen now to what Paul says. Look again at verse 15. This we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. When Jesus Christ comes, the cemeteries are going to be emptied out. By way of order, Paul said that those who have died in Christ, they will rise first. Now sometimes individuals have the mistaken notion that what Paul's talking about here is some kind of secret rapture of the saints. Well, let me just say, first of all, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Not only is the word not found in the Bible, but the, the doctrine is not found in the Bible. At the second coming of Jesus Christ, both the righteous and the unrighteous will come forth from the graves. Jesus said in John chapter 5 at verse 28, Marvel not, the hour is coming when all that are in the graves, A-L-L, all that are in the graves shall come forth, those that have done good to the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. When Jesus comes... The righteous dead will rise first. Paul says those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What you need to understand is that when Jesus comes, the cemeteries are going to be emptied out. And ultimately, we will meet the Lord, and at that point in time, the judgment of God will begin. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 25. When he said, the Son of Man will come in all his glory with all his holy angels, before him will be gathered all nations, that is, all people. It includes the world, Acts 17, verse
verse 31. When Jesus comes, the world as you and I know it, it's going to be burned up. It's going to be destroyed. That's why individuals who are literally hooking their wagons to the world are going to be dismayed. That's why Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because ultimately, the things of this world are going to be destroyed. What we need to do is lay up for ourselves a treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts nor thieves break through and steal. Because as the Lord said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, we have first of all the revelation of the Savior and then the resurrection of the saints and sinners. There's a third thing that Paul now addresses here. Words of comfort. I said a moment ago that these people were concerned. And Paul seeks to address their concerns. He talks about the second coming of the Savior. But now he's going to offer them words of comfort. Why? Why offer words of comfort? To alleviate their fears. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Therefore, in light of what I have just said about the second coming of Christ, in light of what I've just said concerning those who have died in Christ, the fact that they've gone home to be with the Lord, that their spirit is with God, in light of all of that, comfort one another. That's what Paul sought to do. Comfort these people. When you and I stand at the side of an open, open grave of a departed loved one, somebody who has died in Christ, we can read these passages and do so with the expectation of offering comfort. There is comfort in knowing that our departed loved one has gone to be with the Lord. Now, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, they are absent from the body, but they are present with the Lord. Their spirit has gone to be with the Lord. Their body resides in the cemetery. Paul addressed the resurrection of the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. He said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we're not all going to sleep in the cemetery. But we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We shall be changed at the last trumpet or at the last trump. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. But Paul here wants to comfort these people. But listen to him as he continues on. Not only does he seek to alleviate their fears, but his desire is to aid their faith. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Remember what I said just a moment ago about 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, Paul was writing the commandments of the Lord. This is what God in heaven said about those who have died in Christ. That's why we should derive comfort. That's why it should aid our faith. 
When we bury a loved one who has died in Christ, we do so with the expectation that they've gone to be with the Lord. And that ultimately, their body will be resurrected at the last day. Thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Listen again to what he says in verse 17. The latter part of verse 17, Thus, we shall always be with the Lord. We're talking about spending eternity with God in heaven. When Jesus comes, the judgment will occur. The standard by which we will be judged, God's word. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me receiveth not my word, hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. John 12, verse 48. Paul said that the judgment of God is according to truth. Romans 2, at verse 2. Those who have done what was right... Jesus will then say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. That is, they'll inherit a home in heaven. Jesus talked about heaven. In John 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Those of us that have lived for God, those of us who have faithfully striven to do what's right, have the hope, the expectation of heaven. But to those who have died outside of Christ, they will hear the words, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 41. Paul here, he's really trying to encourage these people. And I think about how discouraging life can be as, as a whole. If you've never been discouraged, then count yourself lucky. But for most of us, we've faced peaks and valleys in life. And sometimes when you get down in those valleys, it's hard to see the mountaintop. These people were, they were worried. They were anxious about their loved ones that had died in Christ. And Paul here is trying to alleviate their fears and aid their faith. The more you and I read and study about eternity and read and study about heaven, the deeper our faith will be. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want to develop a greater faith in the Lord, a deeper yearning for heaven, Spend more time in the Bible. Spend more time in this book that we call the Word of God. If you're here today, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. If that be the case, this is your golden opportunity. Why not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ this very hour? When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Today is the day of salvation. This is your golden hour. Right now, you have the opportunity to obey the gospel, to become a child of God. When you obey the gospel, when you're baptized into Christ, the Bible assures that every sin will be washed away. Acts twenty-two sixteen. You will be endowed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, according to Ephesians 1 at verse 3. And the Bible says that you'll live in hope of life eternal 
which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. Titus 1 at verse 2. If you're here today, maybe you're not faithful to the cause of Christ. Could we pray with you and for you? The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you with the assurance that God will abundantly pardon. I want you to think about what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. The writer said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've said if you're unfaithful. But I know this. God can and will forgive. Would you come as we stand and sing?